Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 33, High Spring and Flowers, with your hosts, Isaac Hill and A.C. Staubel. This is a duo cast, so we're just going to be talking to you directly, and uh, no no guest this week. Yeah, we haven't done one of these in a while. The last one we did over winter, and we plowed through early spring, and now we're into high spring, where it's actually starting to be hot It was outside. 80 today. It was 80. Yeah, so we're sitting here recording in our loft office, a little sweaty, drinking some elderberry mead. It's very nice. I'm not really a drinker, but I'll, I'll on occasion have some, you know, nice stuff. And I brewed this, so I, I'll drink it. Yeah, so we'll see how Isaac does by the end of the podcast if he gets a little tipsy. It's like it's like a shot. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are actually in a pretty cold area. Um, so our it's May May nineteenth, and our uh, our dandelions are in full form our lilacs are just starting and the apples are peaking apple flowers apple blossoms so we're thinking about flowers we're thinking about spring and we were thinking about doing like spring vegetables like and talk about like uh fiddleheads and garlic mustard and stuff and our fiddleheads are just starting but i'm sure for most of you if you have fiddleheads they're already passed (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, it's just this weird pocket. People even just like an hour, you know, or even in the valley around here, the lilacs are already fully blooming. It's just like we're in this high elevation, windy, cold, little mountainous section of central New York. Um, it's actually really crazy. We just had a person who grew up here stop by our farm today. Yeah, it was so interesting it was so interesting spur of the moment spur of the moment this guy gets out of the truck and he starts like taking pictures of like our house and yard and he he had knocked on the door but we didn't hear him yeah because he he knocked on the door that we don't usually use Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so he was taking pictures and i and i was like what's this guy doing went outside (laughs) it's all tough (laughs) (laughs) and uh he was like really like he almost had like tears in his eyes yeah my grandpa lived here so I would be here all the time when my, I was a kid. My first memories are here, and my, some of my most poignant memories. I've lived in all 50 states, or I've traveled to all 50 states and lived all over, but the memories here really stand out. Like, he was just, like, welling up with joy to see that it was, like, almost the same as when his grandfather had kept yeah. it. And um, Well, he talked about catching his first trout in the stream uh-huh. right down down the hill, and we actually found his name in one of the cement pieces. By so, the barn, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, but the, the story that reminded me of when we were talking about how cold it was that he had told us was that him and his family would be ski-doing, like <laughs> jet-skiing in August. Snowbo- yeah, snowmobile. He said snowmobiling. it was like a sk- ski-diddle and a... There was a ski diddle and a ski do. I don't something like that. There skedaddle. Was skedaddle. There's a skedaddle and a ski do. <laughs> I don't. They're they're funny names for these uh these basically snowmobiles. 
But yeah, at the end of August, it would snow sometimes. So Which is scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as farmers. Yeah. But that's the way it is. It's cold. I like I like the cold. Um, it was a really, you know, great winter. Uh, until last week, I mean, it was still pretty cold and rainy. And, and uh, well, we talked a little bit more about our spring on our bonus episode for our patrons. So if you're interested in that. You know, head over to our Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. we give a whole slash plant cutting. Sorry, yeah, we give a whole um, update on the homestead and um, some of the plants we're working some with. Some of the plants we're working with and the animals we're yeah. working with. So, just a hint: we're gonna be getting some geese to great to do rotational grazing and some ducks to eat our slugs because we have so many slugs and snails. Yeah. And we also got a little kitten. Yes, we did. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're we're high spring now. It's hot. Uh, we got so much to do. We got to build these goose tractors um, and finish all these projects. The price of lumber is so sky high. Um, mm. It's a good thing we have a bunch of old wood in the barns. <laughs> yeah, found we actually tore out some cedar some cedar two by fours from the the certified kitchen when you're redoing it from the roof and those will be my uh runners for the the coops because the movable coops because they'll they'll be more rot resistant and i won't have to get uh treated lumber which is not very good for the environment and it's also extremely expensive, expensive <laughs> right now yeah probably mm -hmm. forever i don't know uh, you know it just seems like we're in some interesting times yeah, for sure. Maybe we should change the subject to flowers. Well, I like flowers. <laughs> so the first one that comes to mind, because looking out the window right now, there's just so many dandelions in the yard that oh, we're yeah. keeping um, for pollinators rather than mowing them down. And we're also making some dandelion wine. Yeah. And our a lot of people who make dandelion wine have told me over the years that they think it's worth it to pull the petals or cut the petals off of any of the green part of the dandelion, but... I've never done that. Um, and I've experimented a little bit with smaller batches, and it is really yummy, but the the trick that I've used is to just throw in some golden raisins into the dandelion mm. wine, and it makes it have a really nice, sweet, rounded flavor without like mm. too much bitterness. And it comes out great. So I think that's what we'll do. Yeah. Um, it's our, a lot of work to... It is. To de-petal de all of the dandelions. Yeah. You have to pick all the dandelions, which takes a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> to get enough for a carboy. Mm-hmm. But the and, way I, I do it usually is I get... I usually, you know, I'm picking for several days, put the bags in the freezer, get them all together, get like a big crock or something, and then pour boiling water over it, let it sit for a day. Then add the raisins. Well, I guess I will put the raisins in before then mm -hmm. if, when I use raisins. Yeah. And I also use um, ground ivy flowers, which are usually flowering around the same time in there too for a little bit more tannins. Mm. Um, but then I add the sugar and, and the yeast and ferment it after that. How, how do you do it usually? Um, yeah, some similar. I've never used uh, ground ivy flowers though. That's really cool. Yeah, if you, if you add too many ground ivy flowers, it smells like it kind of smells and tastes like cat piss. So oh. don't add too many. It do, the 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 taste does um, leave after a long enough fermentation or like a not fermentation but aging. 
you know, after the bottle's aged for six months to a year, it kind of tastes Does better. it change the flavor? A little bit. It gives it some more, like, um, tannin, more, like, uh, body. Mm-hmm. The raisins also really help with the, the body. And I usually use just white sugar mm-hmm. for yeah. for the, the wine. Mm-hmm. But dandelions are just so wonderful. I've just been eating them. <laughs> Every time you go outside like a goat. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I am part goat. I yeah. don't know if any of you knew that. But <laughs> that's why I don't want any goats. We're not going to have any goats here because I'll just get into headbutting arguments with them. <laughs> about <laughs> eating your nursery trees. About eating my nursery trees. They eat everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the just eating, I just eat the petals off of the, off of the flower. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love it. They are they are great for food as well. I mean, the whole plant is edible, but the flowers make great fritters and are great just thrown into some salad for color, as well as um, our neighbor just introduced us into dandelion jam. Jelly. Oh, jelly. Yeah. Is there a difference? Yeah. Jam is like with fruit and like the... I think that with fruit, like the skins are in there and everything's mm-hmm. in there, but with jelly, it's like strained and then pectin's added. Okay, yeah. So yeah. it was definitely jelly, and she did take the time to cut all of the petals off of the base of the flowers, and it was just this really gorgeous golden yellow color, super delicious, and um, she called it poor man's honey. It actually did taste like honey. Speaking of dandel- eating dandelions, which I was saying I like to do, um, there's this video of Frank Cook, and we talked about Frank Cook with uh, with Mark Williams in one of our first episodes, and he was this really cool forager guy. He did a lot of plant walks. But he said one time he was at a some gathering, and, and for I think the whole gathering, all he ate was, um, was dandelion flowers. And yeah. He, it was really good, apparently. That's what he says. I'll yeah. try to find the video. Oh, wow. But, I mean, dandelion is a very solar plant. The flower is mm-hmm. solar, at least. The seed head is lunar, and uh, it's also a Jupiterian herb. That's the funny thing about uh, plants. It's not that funny, but they often have several different significations, depending on like what part you're using. And what stage it's in. Yeah. But the, the flower is so solar. And like this bright yellow you know, disc, and it makes you, from what well, makes me feel more like uh, confident, uh, more radiant. Mm. It's very, you know, that that May sun, mm-hmm. you know, brings it inside you. I really like the the just raw dandelion flowers. But I guess for most of you, your dandelions are already over. Uh, we're still in the bounty, but. You might still have some lilacs. Ours are just starting. Yeah, you can make a lilac honey by infusing them into honey and just pressing more flowers into the honey jar and pressing it down. And it's a really delicious floral honey to enjoy throughout the winter. Yeah, so that's a really good way to work with flowers in general, mm-hmm. what are, are the honey, because the a lot of herbs are, they don't extract well in honey or in glycerin but flowers especially do because they're so delicate right and aromatic often aromatic yeah yeah so other herbs that i like to put in honey would be things like 
hawthorne or linden, which are um, soon to be flowering trees here. And those actually both are excellent medicines for the heart as well as violets. So hawthorn, linden, and violets in honey are all wonderful for um, soothing an emotional heart as well as actually being effective for um, tonifying the heart muscle, their cardiotonics, and can be useful um, for high blood pressure and general heart issues, as well as grief and um, emotional heart suffering. Yeah. I really like uh, the, the violet honey, the color. Mm-hmm. Such a good color. I guess that also violet jelly. I there are a lot I mean, these these things you can do with any of the flowers. The honeys, the um wines, mm-hmm. the jellies, the and glycerins. They're all great ways to, to work with not just dandelion, um, but like apple flowers you can use or cherry blossoms. Mm. Uh I have a friend, Jack, who uh he makes a lot of flower wines and so he'll use you know cherry blossoms or or whatever for flower wines and those are really cool yeah and they're not around here but um if you have mimosa trees oh yeah albizia that can make a beautiful honey or glycerin and that's another heart medicine honeysuckle too Mm -hmm. is a great wine and just has such a great smell yeah i've never tried honeysuckle wine I haven't either. I actually, I just, I know people who have made it and they Mm -hmm. said it was really wonderful. So I actually don't have direct experience of that. But the smell is just so good. Yeah. So wonderful. So there's also a really wonderful way to eat flowers, uh, fritters. Yeah, I mean, anything fried is good. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, pretty much. I have some really great memories of living and working at an herb farm in the Hudson Valley where um, we would alternate every workday. Somebody would cook, and their whole job the whole day would be to cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the crew, which was sometimes up to 14 people. And I remember one day in the hot kitchen just making chive fritters. Chive chive flowers that I would bread, I would use a little egg batter, um, and then put into some flour and then fry in hot coconut oil on the pan. And I just remember making them like all day long. (laughs) And we would put them um, on top of salads or we'd put them on top of um, like a rice dish or rice and bean dish or just eat them like as is. Yeah, straight out of the uh, the fryer. Yeah. Um, and that's a really good way to do it. Any other fritters that you... Have you well, made dandelion fritters? Yeah, there's yeah. dandelion fritters. And then there's um, another good one is black locust. Fritters. Yeah. Mm. You take the whole black locust flower uh, stem with the flowers on it. And you bread that and fry it. Mm. <laughs> that and sounds great. <laughs> black locust flowers are really... I mean, I, I love black locust, personally. I know it's a little aggressive. I mean, it's thorny. It has su- sends suckers out. Um, but it's such a great rot-resistant wood. And the flowers are wonderful bee food and human mm. food. 
I I just will eat them. Um, and they're kind of like little sweet peas. Yeah, they are. They're kind of sugary. They taste like pea flowers. Yeah. Um, we have a black locust tree in our front yard that two, yeah. two black locust trees and one of them that, um, has a colony of bees well, that has to. lived in it. I don't know if they survived. I don't think they survived, oh, but that, that's what happens though. Yeah. But, um, I imagine that just being such a great environment for them. They're like coming in, in out. The hollow black locust tree yeah yeah and then there's just all these flowers when it's in bloom it is magnificent and they're just like dropping flowers like snow all over the yard and you can Mm -hmm. just eat them i've also um heard of people doing elderflower fritters interesting i have never done that um i can't recommend it but yeah it might be good it would probably be good but yeah elderflower is just such magnificent medicine I, yeah. I would almost feel wasteful doing that unless I just had a huge abundance. But every time I find some elderflower or if I've grown it, it's um, usually going right into a tincture or a glyceride or honey to help us through the harder parts of the winter or late fall when there's lots of viral infections going around. Yeah, we just got some uh, European uh, elder today in in the mail some sambucus uh what is it niagara yeah yeah the european one these are special varieties that have more flowers and bigger berries so i'm excited for them because i've never grown that before i've only grown the canadensis um which is the wild uh black elder from around the east coast i also really love the the blue on the west coast mm-hmm. yeah i was just gonna say that you see a lot of the blue elder yeah. out there and i saw somebody has a uh red in their in their ornamental border mm. the other day saw it it's, it's really pretty i've never worked with the red though but the um the black uh and the blue the flowers are wonderful medicine and food very floral i've had like a you know, elderflower drink, and they're... Oh, yeah. St. Germain's elderflower liqueur. Yeah. That's a really tasty liqueur. Yeah, I, I want to make I want to make some some elderflower wine some, one of these days, too, mm-hmm. maybe. Medicinal wines. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm all about. Some other flowers that are going to be coming out soon that you can eat are daylilies. They might be out in your neck of the woods. Um... I like to either put them on salads or stuff them with goat cheese, and you can fry them as well. I don't really like to do anything with them. You don't like them? I don't like them. they give you a bellyache? I just don't like them. I like them. And (laughs) I have noticed that there is a limit. Like, I like them a little too much, and, you know, if you eat, like, more than 10 or something, then you might get a bellyache. I think they have, like, a lot of inulin in them, Mm -hmm. and I'm just not really into inulin so much. For those of you who don't know what inulin is, it's a sugar that humans don't process or digest. So it can be good for some diabetics. Um, it's in a lot of uh, Asteracea plants, like uh, artichokes and Jerusalem artichokes, which is why you get the Jerusalem artichoke farts if you uh, eat too many Jerusalem artichokes. Because your body champagne yeah. also has a lot of inulin. Yeah, in its it. name is inula. Inul- yeah, inula helenium. Yeah, but uh, dandelion has that too. Mm-hmm. But there's some, there's something about 
about the daylilies that I'm just not really into. You know, I know a lot of people really like them, um, but it's just not my cup of tea. So if you don't want to put daylilies on your salad, um, nasturtium are not necessarily wild, but a lot of people do grow them and they're pretty easy to cultivate. Um, so nasturtiums are something that are really tasty in a salad. They have this really strong mustardy, peppery flavor. Yeah. They're a beautiful, bright color. Often they're yellow, orange, red. Um, yeah, very nice. And that can really brighten up a salad. Oh, and mallow. Mallow flowers. Mm. I love mallow flowers. Yeah. I just That's like, more your speed. Yeah, you know, a, a big flower like uh, daylily is rose of sharon so that'll be that that's what i like rose Uh of sharon which is which is in the mallow family um it's like a big hibiscus yeah Uh, they're beautiful too they've got a nutty sweet flavor the Mm. flowers the petals um and yeah that's and i've made um infusions with that which are really good with the flowers Mm -hmm. and it's got that mucilage and it's uh got a nutty sweet floral flavor Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good one too. But the Malva family is, is just wonderful. We have, what do we have? We have Neglecta, Malva mm. Neglecta. The Zebra Mallow. The Zebra Mallow, which is like a, a common ornamental. And that has really beautiful purple flowers. And then we also have a Musk Mallow, mm-hmm. which is wild. And then the, um, Marsh Mallow, mm-hmm. which is also wonderful, uh, herbal ally yeah it's rich in mucilage so very soothing to mucous membranes like in the lungs and throat but usually use the root of that and we're focusing on flowers today (laughs) yeah so if you don't have rose of sharon or nasturtium or mallows then you cruise around your yard and see if you can gather some red clover flowers oh yeah Um, those are good for different things though you know there almost always is a mallow Around. Yeah, there is. Like in Pittsburgh, like Rose of Sharon is a weed, mm-hmm. and a lot of places I see Rose of Sharon just grows everywhere, um, aggressively. And then Malva neglecta is also really common. Yeah, yeah. And out here, the um, musk mallow is very common too. When Seven Song was here, he ID there are two different species, and they look a lot alike. And I forget which one we have, but it's very the neglecta. No, no, not the neglecta. The musk mallow. Oh, yeah. I forget what the species name on that okay. is. Yeah, me too. But it's really good. I had a bunch of my greens the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so as far as red clover flowers go, um, I mostly gather them to dry for tea. Um, but you could put them into a salad. And I imagine just like the chai flower, you could make them into a fritter. Yeah. Um, yeah, my mom eats them. Yeah. And eats clover in general. I don't really eat clover so much. Um, another thing, you have to be careful about drying red clover Mm because it can get mold so easily. Yeah, I usually don't even mess with trying to dry it on a screen. I'll just put it right in the electric dehydrator. Yeah, so you got to really watch that. Mm -hmm. Self-heal, that's another really great summer. Common. Yeah, it probably is flowering in some places already. Um, Up here... It flowers around uh, July 4th, maybe a little earlier, a little later. Mm. Um, and I really love that flower. I remember uh, one of one of my, I did a, a, an isolation, solitary retreat in the, in the 
Allegheny National Forest one summer, and uh, that was blooming in full force. And I was I just ate that all the time. You know, I would walk down the <laughs> down the the forest road and uh, and and just just eat mm-hmm. the Prunella vulgaris. Yeah, it's such a pretty flower too. Yeah, that's a real. I mean, its name is heal all or mm-hmm. self heal. That just kind of says it all. Yeah, a lot of people use it topically for salves, so you could infuse it in olive oil or maybe or whatever oil you prefer as a skin ointment to heal cuts and scrapes and wounds and things like that. There's also one of the greatest flowers for skin things that flowers around that time, a little bit earlier. Uh, Actually, the traditional day to harvest it is St. John's Day because it's St. John's wort. Mm, Yeah. That's another very solar uh, flower which is good for a lot of things. What are some of the things that you use it for? Hey, I think it's awesome in wounds, but I use it in my muscle rub um, for aches and pains and soft tissue repair. Mm, yeah. um, and we actually talked a little bit about St. John's Sport in episode two with Violet. Yeah. About um some of the magical, magical uses. uses of it which if anyone's interested and they haven't heard that episode definitely check that out yeah magical herbalism another flower that's probably going to start here soon maybe another couple weeks or a month is a uh, rose and that well we we talked about rose uh with Anjane and that was a wonderful conversation really interesting how the that plant um inserted itself into her transformational journey mm-hmm. um but it's such a powerful plant powerful flower you know the the whole thorns and the beauty like the protective thorns yeah. and the beauty of the rose the rose in in the in europe has a lot of signification you know, esoterically, in the same way that the lotus does in in India, for instance. And meditating on the rose is a very uh, fruitful endeavor, I would say. Yeah, it's another heart medicine, just like I was saying, hawthorn, linden, and violets, and mimosa are heart medicine. The rose has that protective aspect of the thorns, and then the beauty and the blooming of the petals um, opening up and I love it in grief formulas for processing loss and for um, self-love formulas for folks that are connecting to their higher selves or reconnecting with their their um, hearts so rose is just one of those intoxicating plants and you can use a cultivated rose, um, or you could use like a beach rose, like Rosa rugosa, or the wild rose that is very abundant in the East Coast, the multiflora rose, which has usually a light white or light, like a white or light pink flower. It looks kind of like a blackberry. It really does, yeah. Yeah, it's more like a blackberry than like most roses that you mm-hmm. would think. Yeah. And so you can gather those flowers, you can put them into honey, you could tincture them in alcohol, um, you could put them in apple cider vinegar or glycerin to preserve those aromatic um, heart healing benefits throughout the year. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Rose is so, so wonderful. We, we actually, so I, I, I propagated a bunch of beach roses, the Rosa Rugosa, um, from when we visited AC's parents and we went to uh, Plymouth Beach in Massachusetts and they were just everywhere there. So I got some of the biggest uh, rose hips because the rose hips were, were still there. They're still present, persistent. This was in the winter. And um, I, I just grew the seed and I've got like a bunch of them. So I'm going to line the, the road with them because <laughs> yes. they're, they're, you know, they're definitely salt tolerant and they can take a little bit of beating up. Um, so they'll be, they'll be there on the side of the road uh, protecting us and also, you know, beautifying. Yeah. Yeah. When I was back at that herb farm in the Hudson Valley, I have another memory popping up of roses. Um, when some of the people that lived there the years prior to me were um, renovating, I guess you could say, or they were like building back a garden space that was completely taken over by multiflora rose. They were kind of just hacking at all this multiflora rose um, and they didn't realize that there was some older, like ancient planted rose cultivars that the previous owner had planted probably 30 years ago or something. And as these roses started coming back and blooming, they realized, oh man, we, we kind of took out some of these garden roses as well. And one of the guys felt really bad about it or particularly bad about it. And he took it upon himself to prune the roses and nurture the roses back to health and um, give them compost. And when it was time to collect the petals for medicine, he was out there early morning collecting these petals. And he just like was always drunk on these roses. Like he'd come <laughs> back drunk. like yeah. rose drunk, like high on these roses, just like, always talking about the roses we were like all right like we get it roses are great and then we like help him um start processing some of the roses off of the um the flower stalks and all of a sudden like we're just smelling the roses our faces are in it and all of a sudden we're we're drunk on roses too (laughs) like we totally got it and that was the first time i realized that like they are super powerful plants for such a delicate flower um just they pack the power yeah yes we're lucky we had a when when we we came to this house um there is an old rose bush in the front yard and it was one of those it's one of those beautiful old time roses with the wonderful smell it's kind of a fuchsia pink yeah so we 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 got ordered two other antique roses to uh, keep her company, mm-hmm. um, damask roses. A lot of the roses that are grown today as garden roses are hybrids that produce a lot more flowers, um, but they don't have the same medicinal power and the same amount of uh, fragrance as the uh, damask roses or the yeah. the old time roses. I would also caution that roses that you get at a flower shop or grocery yeah. store are usually really sprayed with pesticides um, and probably are not the best candidate to use for medicine unless right, they specifically yeah. say they're organic. Right, right. But those roses are also very beautiful mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them as roses, but I, I wouldn't want to use anything laden with pesticides as or herbicides as a medicine. Yeah. And there's also just a lot more in those old style 
roses. A lot of fragrance. That's what they use for the, the essential oil, the best essential oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of those rose farms are probably not the best play, you know, monocultures with pesticides and herbal uh, and herbicides not paying their workers very well. Yeah, that's real. So, I mean, if I were you, I would find an old an old rose that's been neglected and and uh, and give her some love. Mm-hmm. That's what I that's what I say. <laughs> I'm a, I I'm not drunk. Um I did I did drink all of this mead, but <laughs> I'm just, you know, having a good time. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we have time for one more flower. What's your what's your one of your favorite other favorite flowers? Well, one thing I always look forward to is bee balm flowering. There's two varieties. The light purple, especially the Monarda fistulosa, is great for herbal medicine. And it's also just amazing. Sometimes you can see a field that's just full of it. And they have these really wild um, pom-pom-looking flowers. Oh, yeah. That's, they're so gorgeous. They're I remember gorgeous. that... The time we were looking for places in the Catskills, which were, ended up being too expensive, mm-hmm. but um, there was yeah a field just chock full of yeah. of Monarda fistulosa, and it was in bloom, and it was one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, it's like a sea of this beautiful pastel purple, and the bees love it. Bee balm, it's called, so of course they love it. Um, or I mean, wild bergamot. I think they yeah, call the the red one more. Uh, Bee balm. Yeah, I've Be- heard both. Yeah, yeah. But the red one, we actually have some uh, hidden secret uh, stashes of those in the woods. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. They're like in really deep shade and you can barely see them. But when mm-hmm. you're walking down the stream, suddenly there's like this massive red. Yeah, pop of color. Yeah. And there's just this very hardy, couple of very hardy patches of They're gorgeous. bee balm. Yeah, the red one. Yeah, and against the the deep green of the forest, it really it's is magical. vibrant. Yeah, it is magical. Yeah. Yeah, so I I like to dry the bee balm flowers for tea, and you only have to use a little bit. In I the was tea just blend. gonna say that. Um, yeah, if I have a tea blend, I'll probably use like five to ten percent bee balm compared to the rest of the tea because it has a really strong oregano flavor. Yeah, I've heard it has more oregano oil in it, like the that that essential oil, than oregano actually does. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah. taste it. Some of them. Mm-hmm. I I one time I was in, you know, I like to take little pieces of plants that I find in places and propagate them because mm-hmm. that's what I do. Um, I remember there was this planting of uh, Monarda. I think it was Fistulosa in Pittsburgh. I just took a little, you know, little stem to propagate, and I propagated it, and I've been growing it, and it's just it's stronger than any other monarda i've come across and it has a little bit different leaf so hmm. it might be a different species or a hybrid or something or maybe it's just a variety hmm. of fistulosa i mean it has the same pastel colors and everything but the it the oregano aspect is so intense it's mm-hmm. like and in the regular monarda fistulosa is really intense already yeah so it's you could use it um to flavor salad or salad dressing like I like to chop up fresh herbs when I make a salad dressing so just a little olive oil some apple cider vinegar red wine vinegar and a little um salt and pepper and then kind of whatever other condiments I can find in the fridge splash of mustard a little Worcestershire sauce like 
Yeah. Whatever fresh or dried herbs that I can get my hands on. So bee balm leaf or flour is really good to make a like pungent salad dressing. Or you could take some of those beautiful petals and garnish a salad with it for a little bit of flavor. But the same rule applies for tea of like 10% of your salad because it can overtake (laughs) for sure. Definitely overpower. Yeah, but I think I haven't done this, but I think it would make a really great honey or glycerin as well. I've tinctured it. Have you made vinegar? I haven't. I bet that would be really good. Too. Yeah, that would be really good. That that would be the base of your salad dressing. Yeah, that'd be awesome, and that's a great way to um to get your herbs into your daily cooking. Yeah, which we were, as we were talking with Cami about. Yeah. Yeah, so wonderful. I've definitely been using a lot more carminatives in everything. I know. Me too. Yeah. If you haven't listened to Cami McBride's episode, um. Yeah, we talk a lot about using herbs in the kitchen, and it's it's great. Yeah. Even if, like, you have oatmeal, like, add some cinnamon, mm-hmm. you know? Simple. Simple. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for our short and sweet episode of High Spring and Flowers at our homestead here in central New York. Yeah, so we're going to go eat some uh, Turkish rocket broccolets, some... Uh, fiddleheads and uh asparagus asparagus. our asparagus is coming up and we've got a lot of great episodes coming up some interviews with some really interesting people um so we're looking forward to that yeah thank you all for listening and um please check out our patreon page over at patreon.com slash plant cunning and uh share with your friends cheers